0: Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Harley Sealbinder podcast where we cover important topics and this topic I feel like is very important because you know health is something that if you ignore it your life quality is going to be lower your length of life is going to be lower and yeah you might as well make the most of the life you have by you know trying to be as healthy as possible. So I actually I'm gonna be showing you a presentation that I did for a statistics class for a class called Engineering Statistics. And one half the class was just learning about statistics and the other half was, hey, pick a problem or an idea and do some research on it. Very open-ended and at the end of the semester, you're gonna do a big presentation on it. And so I just thought, why not do a podcast of this? Because I find this so interesting. So I guess the topic of this presentation slash podcast is stressing your body to live a longer, healthier life. And if you're on YouTube, you'll be able to see all the visuals that I'm giving you. But if you're just listening, that's, I think you can understand as well, but just a little bit of a background context to kind of show why I chose this topic again. Well, Here's a list of all the high income countries in the world, the highest income countries. And, you know, and then it shows the percentage of adults that are obese. And the United States wins by a significant margin in in the sense of they have 40% of their adults being obese and the next closest is New Zealand and they're 33-ish and then it goes down from there. And... I thought, why not include the leading causes of death in the United States, which is heart disease and cancer. COVID is another one these past two years, but I'm focusing mainly on heart disease and cancer. But I bet these techniques that I'm going to be talking about could help with COVID as well. I'm very sure. All right. So this first term that we should look at before we even dive into anything is called hormesis. Hormesis is a low dose, short duration stressor. And these short duration stressors actually help us protect against large stressors that you'll occur in your life. And, you know, there's this phrase by Friedrich Nietzsche called, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And, you know, it's kind of a philosophic idea, like, you know, when you go through something challenging, you become more resilient, you learn from it, etc. But it actually is a scientific kind of, it's been proven scientifically when you stress yourself purposely for like low doses, you actually receive a lot of benefits. And, and here's a little graphic showing that, yeah, you don't want to have too high of a stressor because you actually can, it can be counterproductive and toxic on your body. But, you know, when you stress yourself purposefully, you, you become so resilient and it's it's very cool and i guess i draw these little diagrams in each one of the slides and when you increase your stress you increase something called mammalian target of rapamycin which is right down there and also adenidine monophosphate protein kinase two of these terms i'll talk about later but just remember these acronyms mtor and ampk okay so I'm going to be talking about four different stressing methods or biohacking techniques. Biohacking is just kind of an overarching term for, you know, undergoing activities that are stressing your body purposely, but are going to give you a longer, healthier life. And so I guess the first one I'm going to be looking at is HIT workouts, H-I-I-T workouts, high intensity training. And I guess we could define high intensity training real quick, which is Short bursts of 85% of max effort, mixed with short rest periods of five minutes or less. So you're you're going and doing burpees, you're doing push-ups, you're doing pull-ups, you're doing kettle swings, you're doing shoulder presses. You're you're doing you're just you're going through cycles of you know maybe a minute or two of just all, mostly all-out effort, and then you're resting or walking around, you know catching a breath for less than five minutes. It's got to be less, but And then it showed that, well, here's the study I looked at to kind of prove that I thought that high intensity interval training would impact your health positively. They went and took 85 studies. And out of all of those 85 studies, they looked at like probably 20 different health metrics. But the health metric I am highlighting here is VO2 max. And VO2 max is kind of just a measure of the maximum amount of oxygen that your body can utilize during exercise. And out of the 5747, so 5747 people that were undergoing these studies and doing HIT, 4868 of them saw an increase in their VO2 max, which is one of the health metrics that predicts longevity in life. And so that's an 87% of those people that were studied saw an increase in their VO2 max which probably means that they showed an increase in the length of their life. In my opinion, I recommend every person tries a HIT workout. You know, even if it's for 15 minutes, you're doing just. You, I see that people sweat and they. If you put in a little bit of effort, you're going to be breathing hard. Your heart rate's going to go up, but that's the point. You want to be able to stress your heart a little bit so that you know. Your heart is used to being stressed, so that in life, it's it when it goes through a stressor, it's not like gonna have a heart attack just out of the blue. And so I guess try out H I I T hit workouts. Like search them up on YouTube or whatever site you want to look up. But I've been doing it for the past four months straight, and I I love hit workouts. It, I could sh- I might do a, a whole video on what my hit workout looks like, but that'll be later in life. And so now our second stress method is actually time restricted eating. Another word for it is intermittent fasting. You may have heard of intermittent fasting before, but let's I like the word time restricted eating. It's a little bit more specific. So let's say that, you know, you're awake for 16 hours in a day and you sleep for 8 hours in a day. So that's 24 hours total. But most people, if you survey them, they probably eat 15 or 16 hours of the day. Like, you know, they start eating right when they wake up and they eat until they're probably falling asleep. And that's actually not the most healthy for you. There's a way in which you can restrict the amount of time that you're eating. It's a good window to shoot for is like 12 to eight hours in which you're you're eating. You know, you're restricting your time window down from 16 down to like 12, 10, 8, whatever. But if you do that every day, there's a lot of benefits and I'm going to dive into some. So there's this, there's a study that I found of 50 men and 41 women who are actually engaging in Ramadan fasting, which is a, a fasting for religious region, reasons. And so that actually includes 14 to 16 hour fasts, pretty much all day long fasts for a whole month. And it they found that there were two metrics that they were measuring the first one is high density lipoprotein cholesterol and low density lipoprotein cholesterol HDLC and LDLC watching the youtube video it would help paint a picture in your mind of what's going on but i'll try my best so this HDLC, when you when you increase it, you actually decrease your risk of cardiovascular disease. And when you decrease your low-density lipoprotein cholesterol, you actually decrease your risk of cardiovascular disease. And like I said, cardiovascular disease is one of those top killers in America and in the world, like way more than COVID. And no one talks about that. And But the, out of these 91 people that were studied, they sh- the men showed a 21% increase in the hdlc and the women showed a 30% increase in hdlc and and then there was the exact same men showed a 35% decrease in ldlc and women showed a 36% increase in ldlc did i say 36% increase it's a decrease but either way both of the sets of people showed increased their health metrics that's the summary of all this you know there's a lot of Language and you know there's something increasing, something decreasing. But I guess the moral of the story is when you when you fast like that, your body actually has more time to to metabolize, or y- your metabolism actually is able to work through and and generate and and digest all of your foods, like your fatty proteins and your cholesterols and your what's the carbohydrates, all of those. Metabolisms actually work so much better when you give your body a bit of a rest, and it goes all back to this whole idea that you know you're actually stressing yourself. You might want to eat something, but you know you're you're mentally going through it and saying, "Hey, I I'm not going to eat right now." I wouldn't recommend maybe a 14 to 16 hour fast, but I'd recommend like a, a 12 to 10 hour fast or or more at least. And there's this idea that. You know think back to a few hundred years ago or more people were hunter gatherers they didn't always have food on the table they didn't have always, always have food if you click a button it'd be delivered to your door they actually had to go out and hunt for food and you know actually you're motivated more when you are a little hungry you sometimes after i eat something i i notice a bit of a crash in energy it's like oh i'm satisfied now you know like your, your hunting instincts is like, oh, I can rest finally because, you know, I got my fill. but And that's why I actually like to – this is what I do. I probably don't eat much past 11 p.m. And then I don't normally eat until like 1 p.m. the next day. So that gives me about 10 hours of window to eat and about 14 hours of window to not eat. I'm not always perfect at it and sometimes it shifts, but I've noticed just uh, – like in the morning, I'm able to have more energy without any crashes. In the beginning, it was tough, you know, but that was only for like three or four days that it was actually hard not to eat. And then all of a sudden, it was like, Oh, it's not too bad. And then you just I just drink a lot of water in the morning. And and then I get on with my day. Okay, now finally, the third stressing method, it's actually heat exposure. But specifically, the heat exposure I'm going to be talking about is sauna use. There's, there's a few other types of heat exposures, such as, you know, getting in a hot bath or a steam room. But sauna is actually what I'm studying, and it's actually what been what I've been doing. All four of these methods I've been doing for the past three or four months. So I, you know, there isn't scientific data on Harley, but, you know, there's anecdotal evidence to support that, you know, Harley feels pretty good when he, he's been undergoing these four. So here's a study I found, which was really amazing, in my opinion. Uh... They studied 2,300 men in Finland, ages 42 to 60. And it was a 20 year study. So, like around 20 years after they started the study, they followed up and said, okay, we're going to, we're surveying these 2,300 men for these four different events. First being an all cause mortality event. Another being a fatal cardiovascular disease. Another being a fatal coronary heart disease. And then, fourthly, a sudden cardiac death. And, you know, those are four events that can be prevented through action. And one of the actions that we've seen is that saunas actually can decrease the probability of all four of those types of events. And as you can see, the people who saunas four to seven times a week showed the lowest probability of getting any of these cardiovascular disease events. And, you know, the people saunaing one time showed the highest probability and the people saunaing two to three times showed a middle of the road probability. And this sauna use was actually 175 to 210 degrees Fahrenheit with 10 to 20% hum- humidity. So that's when you throw a little bit of water on the rocks and and then 11 to 19 minutes in the sauna. And I actually try to shoot for like, 180 degrees for 20 minutes, but I've been working up to that. And honestly, if you have a YMCA near you, I truly recommend trying out the sauna and trying out HIIT workouts and also trying out the time-restricted eating and uh, like, just try it out for yourself. I really do recommend it. But yeah, this study just kind of showed to me like, you know, Harley, try to sauna four to seven times a week. There's not many cons to it especially if you stay hydrated the key in my opinion is having a lot of water throughout the day you know i i i'm kind of famous for having this water bottle always you know it's it's a big jug i try to drink it like 3 to 4 times a day and i really recommend staying hydrated cuz you know if you're hydrated before you go into a sauna like this you're going to be able to sweat out your toxins without feeling so dehydrated cuz you know you're going to have enough water to replenish and always have a water in the sauna too. But yeah, I I found this study to be amazing. And Finland happens to be one of the main countries that has more saunas than people. And they actually are one of the happiest countries in the world by survey. And, you know, that might be a coincidence, but I don't think so. I feel like the sauna truly helps my mental health and apparently helps my physical health if you look at the study. Now, the fourth is cold exposure. And Actually, there, there's probably so many ways in which you can expose yourself to cold. I've heard of people even just standing outside with not that much clothing on. I've heard people, like when it's winter, I've heard people, you know, jumping into a frozen lake. I've heard people even just taking a cold shower, sometimes swimming in, you know, 70 or 60 degree water for a while. There's so many different ways in which you can expose yourself to cold. But out of all of these metrics, I feel like this exposing yourself to cold is. Is actually really for the mental. It really helps with the uh, the what's it called the releasing of norepinephrine. And norepinephrine actually is one of the main chemicals that's released in your brain when a person does hard drugs. And it's like you know that people get so addicted to those hard drugs because of that norepinephrine release. And you know I feel like most people who are undergoing hard drugs, if they if they sat in a cold bath, you know. 40 degree bath for about three minutes, maybe two or three times a week, I feel like they are going to see an increase in their ability to be happy without those drugs. But, you know, let's talk about this study first. So there were 22 young male subjects broken into two different groups. One group was the cold group. The other group was the control group. So the first group, the cold group would spend two hours a day in 62 degrees Fahrenheit water. And you might be thinking that's really not that cold, but you know, 62 degrees for two hours, you're gonna just start to get a little cold. And you know, the control gro- group had no cold water exposure, so that was kind of they showed like, okay, one group's doing nothing regarding cold, the other group is doing cold exposure. And the the thing that was being measured is called cold-induced thermogenesis, or CIT, and The cold group actually showed a 276% increase in the amount of CIT that was occurring in their body. And I I created this little visual chain to kind of show you what happens when CIT is released or CIT is increased. CIT becomes increased and then that norepinephrine chemical is released, which then helps with your mitochondrial biogenesis. And that mitochondria is kind of like the powerhouse of the cell. It helps recycle and it's kind of your energy, you know... um, energy storage slash circuit and and then if you increase that biogenesis you increase the capacity for energy production and all of those things lead to a longer healthier life or longevity in short and i just thought that was pretty interesting i really want to do a study on doing like the cold plunge you might see ads on youtube for like the cold plunge i think they went on shark tank and they they got a great deal with one of the investors and I'd recommend looking up cold plunge. I haven't even tried it, but man, it looks pretty amazing. It stays cold and it stays clean. And honestly, if you look up Andrew Huberman, the Huberman lab, he talks about cold exposure quite a lot. And it's quite interesting. And I truly recommend it. Like this is, this is my I'll just explain like this is my uh, routine. So I try not to eat until maybe one or 2 p.m. I'll have a little bit of steak, some vegetables and fruit, and then I'll once I'm digested a little bit, I'll go and do my HIIT workout, which involves a lot of kettle swings, you know, raising a kettlebell above my shoulder all the way from the ground, burpees, pull ups, dead hangs, abs. Fireman carries just quite a few different things and squats, Bosu ball squats. You know, I kind of mix it up a lot, but, you know, try to keep that heart rate up the whole time. And then right after that, when I'm still kind of sweaty and breathing hard, I go straight to the sauna, making sure I've been hydrated throughout that whole workout and throughout that whole day. Then I, I crank is if I can get the sauna up to like 170, 180, And I try to sit there for about 20 minutes and you know, it's kind of like a meditation session. You're forced to really, you know, it's kind of painful. You don't want to sit there for too long, but you actually get used to it more throughout the days and weeks. And I feel like you notice how great it makes you feel. Like, it's like I can get through this. I'm stronger than I think. It's mind over matter. You know, if you, it's all mental mainly. And and then right after that, I dive right into a cold shower. And, you know, I used to not be a person who ever thought of doing a cold shower, but the mix of the intermittent fasting, hit workout, sauna, and then cold shower, all four of those in one day, I feel like after that cold shower, you're just, I, I'm in this state of euphoria almost where it's like, huh, nothing's going to bother me. I am not stressed whatsoever. I have a lot of responsibilities, but man, I am, I'm excited for life. I am I'm ready to conquer and and like I feel like it's this you're aware that there's going to be stresses in your life but you don't care as much because you're you know how resilient you can be and I just I love the feeling after that cold shower. I've gotten my girlfriend and my roommate does it with me and I've gotten a few other people I know to start trying it and they've told me that they, they really are happy that they started going to the Y and doing all four of these things. And I guess let's talk about the moral of this whole episode, which is when you stress your body purposefully, you live a longer life, a healthier life. And some people might be asking, why would I, who cares about living a long life? Uh Oh, do you really want to be here till you're like 89, 95? And it's like, well, this is what I do not want. I don't want to be 60, not really able to move, need help Moving, I need I need help lifting up anything heavy. I can't lift up my grandchildren. I can't walk more than a minute. You know, it's like, do you want to be a drain on your family or a a strain on your family when you're older and you 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 can't exercise and you you can't move yourself? It's like, I want to be a person who is able to. Have fun with my grandkids. Do activities until I'm old. I want to be able to live a healthy life for as long as possible. I want my health span to be increased, and you know I feel like starting young is very important for this. It gets that habit. But even if you're a little older than me, I would say try these things out. You'd just be surprised the account the the amount of benefits that. These four activities have. And you know, I only did one study for each one of these four. But if you do a little bit of research and some YouTubing, you're going to see so much more than I even explained because, you know, I'm still pretty ignorant of this topic. But I really recommend trying it out and do it for your future self, do it for your future family members. You know, set an example. If you're a person who leads your family, if you set this kind of example of, you know, staying active, being healthy, and being intentional with what you're eating and how you're eating and all of these things i feel like your family's just going to be a healthier family and so i guess these are some of the visuals i kind of created so when you increase your mtor that's what happens when you stress your body you increase your dna repair and you decrease your senescent cell growth and so when you increase your dna repair you actually your old DNA actually is recycled and your old cells are recycled. Like one of the main causes of cancer is having a senescent cell growth where it's like these cells haven't been used in a minute and they actually start to form a little bit of a mass and they're sitting there and they aren't being recycled and reused due to you moving yourself, stressing yourself, etc. And then cancer can form. So it's like that, one of the leading causes of death can be solved or prevented at least by stressing your body. And so I'll talk about this other acronym, which is AMPK. And that's kind of like, it helps increase your metabolism. When you increase your AMPK, you increase your metabolism and also you you increase your VO2 max. And you should look up what both of these acronyms mean. I, I would do a dive into it. I actually have a great YouTube video by this guy named Answers with Joe and his YouTube channel is really interesting, and I'm actually going to link this video in there because he explains these, these acronyms a lot better than I did. But I just thought I'd paint a broad picture and talk about four different techniques in which you can increase your longevity and live a happier, healthier life. And, you know, this has all been tested by me for months Some of my family members are like, Harley, you're kind of obsessed with these four activities. And it's like, well, yeah, I am obsessed. I want to stay healthy for as long as possible. I want to work out when I'm 75. I want to be able to, you know, go on a hike when my grandkids are like, hey, you want to go on a hike? You know, these are just dreams that I have. And here's a list of my studies. And yeah, if you found this video interesting, I would recommend sharing, well, I'd first recommend trying out some of these activities and maybe researching if you want, if you're skeptical. But then I'd really recommend showing your friends you know, the benefits you're seeing when you're trying these. And also let me know, let me know on Instagram, send me a comment on YouTube. Let me know if you've been trying out these techniques. I, I really hope that some people take this advice and, and help increase their longevity. So well, you have a great rest of your day, everyone? Bye-bye.